Praise God. We appreciate what God is doing. Last week we started our series, Stand Firm. Everybody say, Stand Firm. Have you ever uh, tried to go down a railroad track? Anybody ever done that? You know, just try to walk the rail on the railroad track and you're, you know, you're trying to just stand up. And uh, so when you're trying to stand firm, you have to have a solid foundation you're standing on. You, you can't stand firm when you're teetering on something. I remember I was, uh, years ago, I was helping a friend of mine do a roof and we had to replace the entire roof, the, you know, pull up the uh, plywood, everything. Replace the plywood in this roof. It was 18 feet at the, at the eave of it. So from the edge of the roof, you're 18 feet to the ground. And I told my buddy, I said, I'm not too wild about this because, you know, I'm a afraid I start to slide and I'm going to go off. And he said, well, just take a rope and tie around you and nail it off. And so I tied a rope around my waist and I tied it around a two by four and I went to the peak and I hammered the two by in at the peak of the roof and I started to slide. And it dawned on me when I started sliding, I forgot to measure how long the rope was. And so there was a real fear that gripped my heart for a moment that I was going to go off the edge and be dangling off the edge of that roof. And thankfully, finally, the slack came out of the rope and I was safe. So you need to make sure that you've got something you're anchored to and don't get too far away from it. Amen. See, a lot of times we talk about we're anchored in Christ, but we tend to wander from Christ and then when we start slipping and sliding if we're not careful we've gotten so far away from him that we end up over the edge before we run out of slack everybody say slack off <laughs> no don't slack off tighten up amen tighten up and so we we want to make sure that we've got that solid foundation a little bit later on that roof uh, we were getting ready to nail off, and so there was a guy that worked with us, and he weighed about 150 pounds, and he looked at me, and he said, well, he said, he said you, you just go ahead and tie the rope around you, and he said, and, and you can nail off down there, and I'll hold you. I looked at him, I said, I don't think so. I said, if I go off, you're going to let go of the rope. <laughs> Either you're going to let go or you're going to come with me because you're not big enough to hold me. How many of you know that sometimes we anchor in things that just aren't big enough to hold us? Now, I really, I really want you to get this because, you know, there, there's so much of this, you know, self-help books and all that. And that, that's great. You know, we need to try and take care of ourselves. But you need to be careful what you're reading and what you're putting into you. Because when you get to the point that, you're think, that you think you're all that in a bag of chips, you're in the wrong place. We've got to be anchored to him and not our own ability. Amen? So how many of you know that he's more than enough? Amen? Always enough, forever enough, 
more than enough. Amen. He is Jehovah Jireh. So today we're going to start part two in the series on Stand Firm. Last week we talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, reminding you about that truth is based in fact. Everybody say fact. Here's the danger is that when a person believes something to be true, it becomes true to them whether there's any truth in it at all. I want to say it one more time. When a person believes something to be true, it becomes truth to them whether there's any truth in it or not. And so that becomes self-deceptive. We've got to make sure that we're anchored in the truth. Can I ask a question? Has anybody in here ever believed something and then found out that what you believed was wrong? So what did you do when you found out what you believed was wrong? You, you corrected your belief or what you should have. But we're living in a world today where people buy into things that are not truth, and even when they're shown what the truth is, they refuse to let go of it and they hold on to it to their own detriment. You say, well, pastor, how, how are we supposed to know the truth? We covered that last week. Grace and truth came how? Came by Jesus Christ. And so when you're anchored in Christ, you're anchored in the truth. Everybody say period. End of the sentence. That's it. Well, I don't believe that. I don't mean to upset you, but it doesn't matter whether you believe that or not. You see, if I say he is God, it doesn't help him be God. If I say he's not God, it doesn't stop him from being God. He's God all by himself. Amen? He is the truth, the way, and the life. So starting with 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, just a refresher. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Everybody say, the devil is my enemy. Not you. Say it one more time. The devil is my enemy. Now, let me insert something here. Nobody, how many of you know that the devil can use people? Don't raise your hand on this. Has he ever used you? Now, I want you to stop and think about this. How many of you have ever had people use you and you felt used? You know what I'm talking about? So we don't like that, do we? So what do we do? We don't let them use us, and we don't let him use us either. Amen. Everybody say, devil, get your hands off. Amen. Stay, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Say it again. Stand firm. And be strong in your faith. Luke 6 and 26, this is the message, and this just kind of expands what the King James, it goes into more depth of what, he, what they believe that Jesus was communicating. There's trouble ahead when you live only for the approval of others, saying what flatters them, doing what indulges them. Popularity contests are not truth contests. Look how many scoundrel preachers were approved by your ancestors. Your task is to be true, not popular. Amen. Be true, not popular. Somebody said, I don't like you. You don't know what you're missing out on. 
What are you saying? Don't, don't, don't buckle under that kind of pressure. We live in a cancel culture where if you don't agree with what somebody's saying, and this has happened, man, corporately. I mean, they just cancel you. Would you stand up right now? Everybody just stand up right now because we need to stand firm, not sit silently. Stand firm. I want you to stand up if you're able. I want you to turn around. I want you to look someone right in the eye. Would you do it? Everybody's looking at me. Look at, look at somebody right in the eye. And, and this is what I want you to say to them. As you're looking in their eyes, say this to them. You can't cancel me. Amen? Come on. Just shout yes. You can sit down now. You, you, you got to make up your mind that you're not going to be canceled. You got to make up your mind that, see, we get intimidated and somebody says, well, if you, I, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Well, you do whatever you feel like you need to do, but I'm going to stand on the truth. I, I'm, I'm not going to be canceled. I'm going to share the truth. Now, Ephesians 6, 10, 14, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor, somebody say all of it, so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Now, today we're going to move to the next two pieces of armor that we need to put on. It's found in Ephesians 6, 15 and 16. It said, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Let's talk about our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take a look at those shoes. Do those shoes look like they're comfortable shoes or do they look like they're horrible shoes? They look comfortable to me. What are you talking about? I put on boots that are brand new. I know what that feels like. You ever, have, you ever put on a pair of cowboy boots? I got no, well, I might, I might not ought to say that. That's a little bit too much information. I started to say I got, I got no hair on my legs. Bottom leg. Because I wore boots and I've rubbed, I, this is true, I've rubbed, I, ladies, my legs are slicker than yours. I've rubbed the hair completely off. The, my wife likes to feel my legs. <laughs> she says, she said, she had her socks off last night. I said, man, your feet are cold. I said, put your feet, she said, but I like feeling your legs. They're so smooth. I have rubbed them off. Why? Because I was wearing something for show. Cowboy boots that were rubbing the back of my legs. That's why I finally figured out that's why you're supposed to put your leg or your pant leg in the boot, not over the top of it. But I, I didn't all those years, and I've, I've just rubbed it off. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Think about what you walk in, about how, what's your walk like? Every woman in here ought to be given a blue ribbon. For what? Anybody that can walk around. 
I'm telling you the truth, man. Just, the, I, I preached a message one time and walked in high heels. It was, it was one of the most uncomfortable moments of my life. I thought, how do you do that? How do you, but isn't it amazing what we're willing to walk in? Y'all must have some on right now. So, they, they, what, 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 come up here a minute, baby. Come on. So, look at these heels. Now, Kat's 6'4, six, 6'3 six, and a half. With her shoes on, she's like 6'9. <laughs> what are you doing with heels on? You trying to rub it in? That's, so, what, what I'm saying is this. Now, stay with me here for a second. I don't want to lose you. It's important that you stop and consider what you're putting on to walk in. If you will understand with me that shoes and what you walk in represent how you live your life. He said, have your feet shod, put on peace. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He said, put on peace. Walk in peace. I've seen folks that are Christians that are, can be some of the meanest spirited people you've ever met. Walk in peace. You better listen to me right now. I'm going to tell you the truth. Truth's going to set you free, so shut up and listen. You know what I'm talking about? Who wants to hear that? But I'm telling you there's something powerful about peace. We guard peace in our home. Our kids used to have friends when they were living at home. Their friends would come over, and they would always tell them, they said, I like going to your house because when I go in your house, I feel so much peace. That's not something you purchase down at Walmart. It's something you make a decision to walk in, that you put on, and then you don't let things in your home that rob you of your peace. Put on the preparation. If you understood how important peace is and how valuable it is, you wouldn't give it up for anything. You wouldn't give it up because you may not get it back. So you need to guard that. Walk in peace. Let's take a look at this. Walk in peace. Have your feet shod. Have, put peace on. And it, he says, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's take a look at the word gospel. The word gospel means what? Good news. But it's not just any good news. It's not about, if I come in here and I say, Woo, man, I, I just won the lottery. Well, I thought it was good news. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? It's not any good news, and it's hard to win if you don't play. So it's, it, it, it's, it's not, how can I say this? It's not any good news. It's the good news of Jesus Christ and the salvation he brings. So it's that good news. You're looking at me saying, Pastor Rick, if somebody gave you a lottery ticket, 
Would you take it? Well, yeah. God loves a cheerful giver. Everybody say, walk in peace. Now let's take a look at the word peace. The word peace means, literally, the definition for peace, if you go look it up in Greek, it means prosperity. It means quietness, rest, and to set at one again. This is why it's the gospel of peace. Because the good news of Jesus Christ set us at one again with the Father. It's that peace. So if you'll let me, I, I, I wrote this scripture out in an expanded or an amplified way. Not, not the amplified Bible, but the amplified Rick version. Walk prosperously in peace and quietness. Being united with God, sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. You know, it's the way you share something is as important as what you're sharing. If I come off abrasive or if I come off mean-spirited, and, I'm, and even though I'm sharing the truth with you, you may push it away just because of the way I'm sharing it. So, like, look, man, you can fix a wonderful steak dinner, but if you get me in a headlock and try and cram it down my mouth, I'm not going to enjoy the meal. And so it's got to be presented right. That's why Paul's saying, get, walk the right way. Get it on the right way. Have your, put on peace and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, share it. Now let me give you an example of how this has walked out because it's important for you to understand that peace is not weakness. So in the book of Acts, the disciples are praying for people. God's using them. Miraculous signs and wonders are following these people. And the high priests are getting mad because they're jealous. So they send for these guys to be arrested. And they take them and arrest them, and they throw them in prison. And once they got them in prison, God sends an angel to get them out. You need to know that when you're walking with God, you're never alone. They are in a mess, but God sends an angel to get them out of the mess. Now, how many of you believe that can still happen today? We had it happen this week. What are you getting at? Tuesday night, they had praise and worship practice. None of the monitors were working. Mike thought we were going to have to have a whole new soundboard. Couldn't figure out what was going on. They're down here in the floor singing because they can't hear anything out of these monitors. And Mike had worked on it, you know, trying to get it working. And finally, he just, you know, he said, I, I, I'll come back tomorrow. So he left and he came back Wednesday morning and he stopped in the office and he was talking to me about it. He said, man, I don't know what's going on with these monitors. He said, I can't get them to work. He said, you know, they're, they're just not working. And he, he comes inside and man, he's not in here five minutes. All of a sudden I see him back in the office and he's saying, well, somebody is messing with these monitors. He said, because they're all working now. 
I said, what? He said, I hadn't touched him. He said, I didn't do anything. He said, they're working now. I said, Mike, I said, I'll figure out, you know, if, if somebody's messing with them because we got security cameras. I can see you any place you go except when you go. <laughs> there are no security cameras there. So I pull it up. I come in on Friday and I pull it up and Mike happened to come back Friday and I pull it up and I'm in, he's in here and I'm in there watching and I'm thinking, okay, I'll see if somebody came in. Now, there's a digital read on that board so little lines show up when there's activity. Well, man, from 8 o'clock to like 8.30, it's crazy. I mean, there's just all this activity going on and I'm thinking, oh, somebody's been in here. And so I, I watch it, and the, the praise team left just shortly after 8 o'clock. Mike leaves shortly after them, and he, he, sh he was standing over there. He walked back here, got his hat, came back up, got a coat, and went over there and shut something off. And then he left, and he cut out the lights. As soon as he cut out the lights, I'm watching the security camera, and all of a sudden, it's like a light show going on in the sanctuary there are little white lights that are going all over the place and I'm thinking I was thinking man did are, are those our spotlights and I'm thinking that's too that's not bright enough to be the spotlight and it's not a big enough beam to be the spotlight and I'm I'm watching it and and then I come in on the video turn the lights on and I shut off the I, I turn down the thermostats and went out and closed the light out, and I'll be if here they don't go again. And that goes on from about 8.12 to about 8.40 or something, just all these, and then it just stops. <laughs> I said, Mike, come here and watch this. See, because now I know who fixed it. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you're in a mess, you still got a God that knows how to fix it. The Bible said that his angels are ministering spirits to minister to the heirs of salvation. You are not alone. God has got you covered. He's going to take care of you. Everybody say, he's, he can fix it. So they're in prison. The angel gets them out of prison, and the angel tells them, go down to, go down to the temple and start preaching this good news. And so they go down to the temple, and they start preaching the good news. In the meantime, the Pharisees get together. They call the high council together, and they send the soldiers to go get the prisoners out of prison. Well, they got a problem. There's nobody in there anymore. Then some guy comes running in, right when soldiers are telling them they're not there, some guy comes running in and says, hey, you know those guys you arrested? They're in the temple preaching again. <laughs> oh, man. They, they go and re-arrest them, but they didn't take them forcefully because they feared the crowd would stone them. Not the disciples, but stone the soldiers arresting them. I'm telling you, if God be for you, who, my friend, can be against you? You don't have to fight for yourself. God will fight for you. So they bring them back, and the Pharisees said, man, we're, matter of fact, let me just tell you what they said. If you go to Acts 
chapter 5, verse 27. Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Instead, you filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. Now, let that one sink in for a minute. We must obey God rather than human authority. Do you understand that when it comes to the good news, that when it comes to sharing the gospel of Christ, you can't let anybody cancel you. You can't let anyone shut you down. You've got to declare it in peace and in love and let people know. Because if we hold our peace, the rocks are going to cry out. When they heard this, this is... Verse 33, when they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. Then a Pharisee named Gamaliel stood up and said, so my advice is leave these men alone. Let them go. If they're planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. The others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. Everybody say beaten. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to preach and teach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Let me point a couple things out to you. One is that when they wanted to kill them, God intervened. The other is that they beat them. You're not going to live your life for God without suffering some stuff. Now, thankfully, we haven't been. Paul made a statement. He said, you've not yet resisted unto blood. What he was saying is he's saying, you haven't been beaten for this gospel yet. Oh, you may have been beaten for some stuff. But he said, you haven't been beaten for the gospel. I want you to look at their response when they were beaten. They went out of there. God, I can't believe you let that happen to me. They went out of there rejoicing that they'd been counted worthy. Man, we need to wrap our mind around that. That they didn't come out of their plot and revenge. I'll teach them. They beat me. We're going to meet them. I, I know their movement. We'll wait till after midnight, then we'll jump them. No. They went out of there, and they did what? They continued to do what got them the beaten. <laughs> they continued to preach the name. They continued to share the message that Jesus is the Messiah. And can I tell you that there are thousands upon thousands of people that were in that day living that were glad they did because it transformed their life. And because they preached that message, it got preached to me and transformed my life. It transformed your life. Why? Because somebody decided, I'm not going to let anybody cancel me. I'm going to continue to walk in peace and declare the goodness of God. Somebody say, if God be for us, who can be against us? 
Now, verse 16 said, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Let's look at this. The word shield, if you would throw that picture up, the word shield means cover, protect, or be able to defend against. So faith is what protects you. I want you to get this. Because sometimes we think we can walk around all worried and flustered and, 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 and it's okay. It's not okay. The Bible said that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Worry is not of faith. Your faith, not my faith, your faith is your shield. So you need to make sure that your shield is big. Some of us out there trying to protect ourselves. Throw me that reserve sign. Some of us out there, we got our shield. No, you, you need to ask God to increase your faith. That's what the disciples did. The disciples said, Lord, you know why they said increase our faith? Because he looked at him and he said, if your brother sins against you, and seven, or, you know, and, 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 he, he, and he does it seven times a day, and seven times a day he comes to you and asks forgiveness. He said, you shall forgive him. Not you might or you, you ought to. He said, you will. You shall forgive him. And right after he, they find out that they said, Lord, increase our faith. Because, <laughs> man, it ain't, it ain't forgiveness I want to give him. Let's live in the real world for a second. You know, we don't need to act like we walk around on water and float on clouds. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, and all of a sudden, it's not the love of God that's shining through. You, you lay on the accelerator and chase them down, and your spouse says, what are you doing? You say, I just want to invite them to church. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just... I'm just, going to, I'm just going to invite them. No, no, no. It's, so we got we to get it big. Everybody say, get it big. You know, they outlawed the big swig in New York. You know what I'm talking about? The, what's it called? The big gulp. The big swig. Soft drinks that, you know, you could take a bath in. They've outlawed them. Can't get one anymore. So you think that's going to stop me? I'll just go in and buy three of the other. I want it big. Everybody say, I want it big. See, we get used to just getting by. And the word peace means prosperity. When you walk in peace, God is going to multiply you. He's going to increase you, and he wants our faith to increase. Everybody say the shield. It's to protect. Do you know what faith is? Because sometimes we talk about faith, and we can't really grasp what it is. Here's, here's a Greek definition for faith. It's a moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. A moral conviction. In other words, in my heart, I know that God is true, that he's real, and I'm not letting it go. No, no matter what's going on around me, no matter what's happening to me, 
They beat these guys, and these guys don't go out of there with their faith shaken. They go out of there with their faith increased, praising God that they were counted worthy to suffer. We all suffer some things, don't we? I mean, how many of you in life have suffered through some stuff? Well, let me ask you a question. Does it make you feel good when you're suffering just because of your lack of, of understanding or because you just, you know, you made the wrong choice or you made the wrong decision? No, that kind of bums us out, doesn't it? But when you suffer because you shared the good news with somebody, that ought to get you a little bit excited. It ought to, I, I had a guy come up to me and they said, Rick, they've said in the front office that all this talk about God in this plant is going to stop. I looked at him and I said, you tell them in the front office they can have my job but they can't have my testimony I, I'm not going to shut up I'm not going to back off I'm not going to back down I'm going to declare he's Lord wherever I'm at and whenever I can because he's real stand firm don't let them cancel you they want to cancel something give them a stamp quench everybody say quench the word quench means to extinguish. Fiery means inflamed. Darts are missiles. It said, above all, taking the shield of faith so you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the evil one, the wicked one of Satan. I was talking to Gerald afterwards. He was in the first message, and he said, man, he said, I got to thinking about you talking about when you said extinguish, when you know, just put it out. I was talking, I, I told about setting a fire in the first service. I had a tree that had fallen down, and it was, it was right at the edge of some woods. And I thought, man, I need to get rid of this tree. I need to burn it. So I piled up a bunch of wooden pallets, Man, wooden pallets must be made out of gasoline or something because, I mean, that, once they start to go, you've never seen a fire. Like, man, you start piling up a bunch of wooden pallets, and it just, those wooden pallets started going. I Honestly, I, I wasn't sure. I thought, well, I might be able to get the tree burning a little bit. Buddy, it wasn't long until I had a fire I couldn't contain. It was almost as high as the ceiling, and, and it's starting to lick the, the limbs of the other trees that are hanging over. And I'm looking at this and running around thinking, I need to get a garden hose. And I'm thinking, man, a garden hose isn't going to stop this. And I remember, man, I got so panicky. I started praying, God, please, please, God, I need some help. And God is my witness. All of a sudden, it goes, boom, man. And it, the, I'm telling you, it opened up and started pouring down rain. It was like buckets of water coming out of the sky. And I'm, I'm standing out there, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And man, it's just, I mean, coming down. And listen, it didn't put the fire out, but it got it under control. Oh, you, you need to hear what I'm saying. The attacks will never start, stop rather, but God can get it under control so it can't have an impact on you. We were, when I was talking about that, Gerald told me, he said, man, he said, I was thinking about that forged by fire, you know, that show on television where they make these swords and they've got it in the furnace, you know, and they've, they've been beating it and it comes out and it's red hot and then they extinguish it. They put it in that water and as soon as they do, it changes 
the molecular structure of that sword and you could take a hammer and smack it and it'll just break to pieces. That ought to get you excited. That word darts, missiles. That's what it means, missiles coming at us. But he said, don't worry about it because that shield of faith can extinguish it. Man, the power of God rain on that missile and it'll break like it's nothing. Uh, you can take a little hammer and smack it and it's going to fall apart. Uh, the Bible said that I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's he saying? He's saying no weapon formed against you uh, is going to prosper. If you hold on to faith, it will extinguish the devil's missile. Somebody say faith. We used to sing that song, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot, just use what you got. Faith, faith, faith. Everybody sing. <laughs> faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. If we could learn to speak faith instead of fear. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Let me say it one more time. Faith comprehends as fact what can't be experienced by the physical senses. What are you saying? In the world, they say seeing is believing. But in God's kingdom, believing is seeing. If you have to see it to believe it, it's not faith. But when you learn how to believe it, to see it, you've got your shield. In other words, what you do is you're saying you don't allow circumstances you're going through to weaken your faith. You don't allow situations around you to stop you from moving forward. You remember when Goliath showed up in the battle? And it's, he stifled all of the armies of Israel. But when David looked at him, David's faith was not diminished. It was increased. He said, who does he think he is to find the armies of the living God? How is that possible? Because David wasn't focused on the giant, and David wasn't focused on himself. David was focused on God. And when he looked at Goliath up against God, he's going, who's that pipsqueak think he is trying to take on God? He said, I'll go fight him. They said, you can. He said, let me tell you something. <laughs> he said, I, there was a lion and a bear that came out against my flock. And when they rose up to try and destroy them, I grabbed that lion by the beard and killed him. I grabbed that bear. You need to remember what God's done for you before, and it'll encourage you to declare he's going to do it again. <laughs> Come on, somebody say it with me. He'll do it again. David said, that giant, he's no more than that lion or bear, man. It's, it's no big deal for God. 
See, what happens is we allow the devil to get our focus wrong. So we're either focusing on the circumstance or we're focusing on ourselves, and we're either feeling sorry for ourselves or we're getting mad about the circumstance and neither one of those things are going to increase your faith. But when all of a sudden you take a step back and you go, you know what? My God's bigger than all that. Buddy, the shield comes up and the battle's on. Every missile he fires drops at your feet because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Somebody say it with me, faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 said, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now check this out because sometimes people say, well, I I don't believe that. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but it doesn't matter what you believe. It'll matter to you, it'll matter to your faith, but it's not going to influence me. Say, so what are you talking about? Let me, let me tell you the way Paul said it. In the book of Romans, the third chapter, Paul makes a statement. He said, so what if some people don't believe? Will their unbelief nullify the faithfulness of God and his word? He said, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. So let me put it to you this way. If I say he is God, it doesn't help him be God. If I say he's not God, it doesn't stop him from being God. He's God all by himself. Somebody say it with me. God all by himself. Man, we need, if, if, if we want our faith to increase, we need to see him that way. Tell me your name again. Marty, Marty okay. I wanted to make sure you remembered. I, so, Marty, you're wearing glasses. I want you to... T- Take your glasses off a second. Okay, now how do I look? I look different. Okay, put your glasses on. Now how do I look? Oh, thank you. He said, you look great. So what did his glasses do to me? Huh? His glasses didn't do anything to me. I'm the same I've always been. His glasses helped him see me the way I really am. So when David says, come magnify the Lord with me, he's saying, let's take a look at God the way he really is. Let's, let, let's quit putting him in a box. Let's quit making him a something small or a trinket around our neck. And let us let him be the Lord of the universe, the Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he becomes that to us, our faith increases. The shield comes up. Somebody say, my shield. Whatever is not a faith is sin. Worry isn't a faith. Philippians 4 and 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Boy, there's a recipe. We got down... To tell him what we need. God, you know I need this and I need that and I need that. We forget about thank him for all that he's done. Because when you start thanking him, it does what? Ray, it increases your faith. You begin to remember what he's done for you in the past, and it gives you the ability to stand up and say, you know what? He'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you were then. Hasn't he always come through? Well, he's the same now as then. You may not know why. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. 
Everybody say, he's going to do it again. Don't worry, be happy. Fear. Romans 8, 15, 16. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. You want to know the difference between a, a, a regular birth and, and being adopted? In a regular birth, you grow in your mama's belly. In an adoption process, you grow in your mama's heart. She embraces you without having a physical connection to you. It goes beyond that. Somebody say love. Do you understand? That's how I got into God's family. I was adopted. He didn't give me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption. Where I'm going, I'm loved. I'm loved. I am loved. If you've been adopted, you need to st- jump up and declare to everybody, I'm loved, man. I am loved. I, I got somebody that loves me like you can't believe. Love. He adopted us. He took us as his own. No fear. Doubt. How many of you have ever heard, oh, I doubt it? Oh, just pray God will do it. Oh, I doubt it. There was a, a disciple that became known by that word. Who is he? I'd hate to be famous for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember him. He doubted everything. <laughs> but you forget about the other part of his life. That when he was getting ready to go to Bethany, where Lazarus was at, Thomas thought he was going there to die with Lazarus. And Thomas said, let's go with him. What was Thomas saying? Thomas was saying, I'm ready to die with him. But Thomas had been through so much stuff. He'd seen Jesus beaten beyond being able, recognition, beaten beyond being able to distinguish who he was. Isaiah said that his image was marred more than any man. And so that's what Thomas had seen. He buried them. He saw a a, a back that was ripped wide open, a face that was swollen and and, and mutilated, a body that was wracked in pain. That's who they buried. And when they came to him and said, he's alive, Thomas, he said, no, I won't believe it until I put my hand in the nail print, thrust my hand in his side, because that's what I remember. Thomas would learn something about faith. Faith isn't built on what you've seen. Faith is built on a moral conviction in the truthfulness of God. Jesus told them, he said, you destroy this temple, and in three days I'm going to raise it back up. They destroyed the temple, and he did his part. So when Jesus steps into the room and man Thomas sees him, 
Don't you know his mouth drops open, but Jesus steps up. He knew what he'd thought in his heart. He knew his struggle. And he looked at me and said, here, Thomas, put your finger in the nail print in my hand. Here, thrust your hand in my side. And he said, and don't doubt, believe. He looked at him and said, because you've seen, you've believed, but blessed are those that have not seen and what? Yet believe. The shield of faith. Would you stand with me today? God is raising up an army that will believe what he said regardless of what they see. Say it with me. You have to say what you see so you can see what you say. Now let me give you a commentary on it. You have to say what you see in your heart. You have to speak faith. Because when you speak faith, when you begin to declare those things that are not as though they were, faith rises. And when you do that, then all of a sudden you start seeing what you've been saying. So go ahead and stand up and declare, my family's going to be saved. My children are going to serve God. My finances are blessed. God's getting ready to bless me so I can bless others. I remember Debbie and I got down one time to pray, and this was our prayer. God, please, would you increase our finances? because we want to be able to bless others. And man, I learned the truth in that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Give of yourself. You say, Pastor, I'd give, but I just don't have anything to give. Give what you've got, and God will give you more. Well, I I don't have any money. Well, you've got some time, don't you? Give time. Hug somebody. Let them know God cares. Ben was out here the other day shoveling the sidewalk. He's shaking and said, don't tell anybody. They'll be calling me. <laughs> and he's out there. And I, I couldn't figure out who had shoveled the sidewalk out. But he, he said, I'm coming back. I said, well, Ben, I said, they'll probably, you know, Sam was coming. And I said, I, I know Sam will be able to uh, probably knock that off. And he said, no. He said, I'm going to finish this. Finish what we start. Just hold on to God. Don't let anybody cancel you. Let me tell you something. If they can't cancel God, and they can't, then they can't cancel us because we've been made a joint heir with Christ. Would you give him a hand clap of praise right now? You're in this building today, and you say, Pastor, look, I, I need... I need that peace in my life. And I need that faith in my life that stands up and declares that God is true regardless of what's happening around me. I believe God is a healer. Say, have you ever been sick? Well, yeah. It never stopped me from believing. 
They used to, Debbie used to sing a song years ago, I've never seen a rainbow till after the rain. I've never felt his healing power until after the pain. I've never seen a sunrise till after the night. And I've never known a victory until after the fight. <laughs> Come on, raise your hands to heaven. God is equipping you right now for what he's called you to do. So if you, if, if you say, Pastor, I, I need that. I want that. I want you to come and just walk up here very quickly. Very quickly. We're going to pray. I'm not going to hold long. Just come up. We're going to pray. I, I want to make the devil nervous. I want to have an impact. Now, stop, and I want you to hear me because we think that, oh, well, to make the devil nervous, I've got to do some great thing. All you've got to do is find somebody that doesn't know him and start sharing about him, and you're going to make the devil nervous. I want you to stretch your hands and look at me for just a moment because there's been, there's, it's like this, back and forth and sometimes you feel like you're on a merry-go-round and you, you I, and I feel like I'm, I'm right back where I started from but part of that is because you don't really understand who you are for a large por- and I'm not I'm, I don't mean to I'm just giving this to you as I'm hearing it for a large portion of your life you allowed other people to identify you and you became what they were saying without even realizing it. And God is saying, that's never who I said you were. I knew who you were when I created you. I declared it from the beginning, and I haven't changed my mind. And so I'm telling you today to look to me and understand that I'm going to bring to pass that that I spoke to you, that you don't need to fear and you don't need to worry because there's shelter in my arms and there's strength in my word. Churches, stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Mm. focused on his because it's like I I, I look at you and I see this tug of war and God is saying hear my voice hear it here and not 
you hear a lot of voices coming out of people's mouths but you're needing to tune this in to his voice because once that gets tuned in you're not going to be fearful you're going to find who you are church stretch your hands to heaven right now I counsel all the voices that have spoken fear over you. Mm. Jaira, you are enough. You are. Jaira, you are enough. So I will be content in every circumstance. You are. out of here with your glasses on <laughs> realizing he's been that way all along and I'm just really beginning to focus in on who he is I'm going to do would you repeat this after me I'm going to do what he said I could do I'm going to be who he said I am even if it means I've got to change. Say it with me. I've got to change. I'm not asking God to change to fit me. I'm going to allow him to change me so I can be who he called me to be. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise in this house today. I want you to understand before you walk out of here that you are special. You are unique. You are fashioned in his likeness. That, I love that song about he's not after a trophy. How's that, what's that line? It doesn't take a trophy to make him proud. It doesn't take a trophy to make him proud. Sometimes as kids... You felt pressure to get a trophy or if you didn't get a trophy you didn't count 
you need to understand you are a trophy. <laughs> You're a trophy of his love. You're a trophy of his likeness, of his, of, of his handiwork. And so when you walk out, rub that trophy up so it shines real good. So you can let the world know he's alive and well. Come on, stretch those hands, heaven. Father, we thank you for it. We pray your blessing over each one, God, that they'll remember that the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. And God, we choose to walk in peace and declare the good news. And we will not be canceled. We hold the shield that drops every weapon at our feet in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Sing it, guys. I'm already, Lord. I'm already chosen.